The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Sendo. For more information, visit villagesendo.org. Thank you for, for joining us all tonight. It's great to see you. Sometimes when we're in the Zendo in person, you know, I, I go most mornings and it's like three of us or four of us and we have this feeling. And then when I see this screen full of faces, it makes me feel much better about um, the Dharma that we're doing. It's great. Uh, tonight, I, I just wanna offer some words. Uh, about our dear friend, Roshi Shuzan, Jules Harris. Uh, he passed away on May 8th in his home near the Zen Center that he founded, uh, nourished for many years. Roshi Shuzan founded the Soji Zen Center in order to provide a place, and this is his own words, where people can go to slow down, meditate, and learn about the healing qualities of the mind. We all agree that training the body through exercise and diet is beneficial, but rarely in Western society do we focus on awakening the healing energies in our brains. You know, I, I didn't have a chance to, get, to put it on my computer, so I'm, I'm just gonna show you a picture of Jules. Huh? Jules was an old friend of mine. Huh? And he did offer healing energies. When I first met Jules, shoes in, believe it or not, in the 1980s, in the early 80s, <laughs> that's how far we go back. Uh, we were both Zen students, beginning Zen students together at Zen Mountain Monastery in, in the Catskills. He was a psychotherapist who had, had held a doctorate in human development and was a master also of the martial art of the sword. So I thought, ooh, this is an impressive guy. Um, and we became close friends in the Dharma. We hung out. We sat knee to knee and in a very kind of rigorous uh, kind of a monastic setting. Uh, and we were both up there, up there for it. Uh, we laughed together a lot and we practiced over long years, long hours together, knee to knee. And we stayed close, even though our paths diverged widely. Uh, after a few years at Zen Mountain Monastery, Shuzan studied, moved to Salt Lake City, set up his therapy practice there, and studied with the white plum teacher, Gimpo Roshi. At the same time, I moved to, uh, went back and forth to Los Angeles and studied with Mayazumi Roshi, and later in Yonkers with Bernie Glassman. And finally, in 2005, Shuzan decided to work with me. Uh, we were both surprised at our new relationship and it wasn't easy at first because it's kind of awkward. We're, 
close friends and now student teacher, you know, that's always kind of an awkward situation at first, but we adapted. We worked on koans and we worked on sutras and we cried and laughed together a whole lot. Finally, Shuzen uh, received Dharma Holder in 2006 at the Grail. Dharma Transmission, 2007 at Wisdom House. And uh, he was confirmed as abbot of Shoji Gen Center in 2015 and received the title Roshi, Inca, in 2019. And throughout that whole time, Shuzen modeled what it is to serve, to serve the Dharma in a generous and modest way. Many, many years, all those years studying and teaching the Dharma. And from a very unique perspective, He was remarkable in his generosity and his devotion to be of service. Even at the end when he was in a lot of pain and very weak, you'd see him pulling himself together and with his cane walking over to the Zendo every night to do interview. He gave interview on the night before he died. His psychotherapy training was also crucial. Uh, it enhanced his ability to work with each person's concerns, whether they might be called dharmic or simply human. And, you know, he had this martial art training, uh, this beautiful movement of the sword and I, it offers such a kind of sense of rigor, of balance, and of the usefulness of attending to the moves of conflict and resolution. And, you know, as I said before, Shusen was a black man at this time in this world that we live in. He's the first black man in our white plum sangha, in the larger community, living in mid 20th to 21st century America. Not easy, not as a boy, not as a student, not even as a Dharma student. And yet, he used his skills and his studies and became a great teacher, a fine therapist, an awesome martial artist, and a good friend. Maybe it was more difficult for him to stand out as he did highly educated, psychotherapist, husband and father, Zen teacher, so many accomplishments. 
He was called to step up and he did over and over again. Shuzan Bodhisattva, we could say, lived a meaningful and fulfilling life. We all miss him. I miss him and cherish his memory and his work. So that's why I've decided that I will continue to call him Shuzan Bodhisattva. He was truly a bodhisattva. You know, we translate bodhisattva as enlightened or enlightening being. Sattva is being, bodhi, enlightenment, enlightenment. And Shusen shared the Dharma until his last breath. So he was truly an enlightening being. And he manifested the qualities of the great bodhisattvas. This is something that we all can benefit from, is considering the bodhisattvas and how we, how, you know, they're, they're like, they're ideals. And they, those are ideals are something that we take into ourselves and into our action and into our lives. And that's what Shusen did. Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva, the avatar of compassion. Manjusri Bodhisattva, who wields the sword of enlightening wisdom. And Samantabhadra, great activity, great vow. Consider how you yourself can embody those virtues or they're called virtues uh, in the Buddhist tradition. And they were created, you know, as supports for us, uh, representing qualities that can serve us and help us to serve others. Hmm. So let's think about those bodhisattvas who were created to support us in our own minds in our spiritual practice and in our lives in the world, as Shuzan did. Avalokiteshvara, you know, is sometimes portrayed as a male and sometimes as a female. And I guess we can consider Bodhisattva also possibly a trans, depending on the needs of the time always depending on the needs of the time. In their name or his name or her name, originally from the Sanskrit means the one who looks down, as in looking down on the suffering in the world, as in bearing witness, as Bernie Roshi would say, to the suffering of the world. And, and when their name was translated into Chinese, Quan Yin, it became, that became, came to mean the person who listens to the cries of the world, embodying that the quality of sound of suffering. And this 
Bodhisattva Avalokiteshvara Kuan Yin is represent visually in different ways, which is good for us in the 21st century because it's a male figure, female figure, one sits on a lotus, one that has, is a mother with a child, sometimes with many arms. I often think of that particular bodhisattva as many arms and hands. And often in the hands are all these different tools. You know, there's like a scissors and a trowel and a hatchet and a knife. And there are all these, these, these things that can help, that can serve the world. Sometimes she has nine heads or 11. One time, there's one I saw that has one on top of the other. So one head on top of the other on top of the other. And I wonder if you ever feel that way. <laughs> and many of the renderings show Avalokiteshvara looking down and holding all these tools to be of service to those who are suffering. Also with many heads and arms, like us, we get up in the morning, we have one task to do, we show one face, and then later in the day, we have another task with another tool and we show another face. That is how we can experience ourselves as Avalokiteshvara. And I always, I think of Shusen, you know, he could like uh, get up in the morning and, and attend to his psychotherapy practice, work with people uh, in, in, that, in that world it, with that language, and then go and teach the Dharma in that language with, in the way we do that. And then maybe put on his, his, his sword, Iado costume, which is this beautiful skirt and this dramatic shirt and practice the movements of the sword, which you could, can always symbolize for me, the kind of way we work with reality. Oh, oh, this is how we work with reality. A beautiful embodiment of that practice. Uh, so that's how come all of these bodhisattvas kind of echo my experience through the years of Shusen Roshi. You know, and there's a story about Avalokiteshvara that says that one time, uh, they looked down on all of these suffering people and caused by the demons in each of us, the hatred, the fear, the anger, the ignorance, and Avalokiteshvara was horrified by how these, these, you know, essentially the devils in us are torturing us, torturing sentient beings. And so Avalokiteshvara decided to enter into battle with them and to stop the torture and violence that they were witnessing. Avalokiteshvara went down and, and fought them all away. And he turned to Amitabha, the universal Buddha, and said, look, I've done it. I've demolished them all. I've saved everyone. Imagine 
the satisfaction that he felt. Just then, Amitabha said, oh, look behind you. And when they looked behind, they saw a wave of new suffering arising in the world. More demons, more greed, anger, and ignorance, more suffering. She was, they were so anguished and in despair, they screamed this gigantic scream and their head broke into thousands of pieces. And it said that Amitabha was so confused that when he started to put all the pieces back together, he got confused. And so that's why Avalokiteshvara sometimes has nine heads and sometimes has 11 heads. <laughs> and having learned the lesson that there's no end, no end to the demons and no end to the suffering. Avalokiteshvara simply continues to serve using all those heads, all those eyes, all those hands and arms to stop the suffering that they meet moment to moment. They continue to serve, not discouraged, I still, I love telling this story and I see some of you thinking, oh, she's telling this, this weird story. <laughs> but I love it because, you know, we can't be discouraged. We've got to serve. You know, a lot of us down here in the city, you know, we're trying to close Rikers, this hellhole, this torture pit of a prison. We're trying to close that. And it just, it, years we're trying to close this thing and we can't. Uh, but we we have to keep we have to keep doing it because someday we hope or at least some people will be freed from that. And Shusen modeled that kind of determination for me. That resolve in life's journey. You just keep on. And that same power and energy can be seen in Manjusri, who carries a sword like Shusen. And that sword is used to cut delusions. We all could use a sword <laughs> to cut our delusions over and over again. I see Shusen Roshi uh, cutting the delusions with the swiftness of the sword practice that he loves so much, the elegance of the sword practice. And of course, all of us can benefit from cutting away the bullshit that both our own minds and that of others continuously creates in order to avoid reality just as it is. So let's, let's resolve to embody 
that spirit of Anjusri in our own lives. I know because of my aging, I'm seeing a lot of stuff coming up <laughs> and uh, self-criticism and a lot, of, a lot of stuff coming up. And I just need Manjusri there on my shoulder all the time. Oh, you don't want to get discouraged. <laughs> I encourage you to use Manjusri in such a way. And in order to, uh, to be supported by that, there's a third bodhisattva type. Samantabhadra Bodhisattva, the symbol of determination, continuous practice, not letting up. Shusen and I, 40 years ago, sitting knee to knee with our knees aching, didn't give up. He didn't give up. He was a Samantabhadra. It's the Mantabhadra that gives resilience to our practice, no matter what. To sit in Zazen, ah, to practice the precepts. Sometimes you don't feel like it, to practice the precepts. I liked that. Actually, it wasn't me, but it was the Mantabhadra, I think. <laughs> to serve all beings over and over again. It was Samantabhadra who vowed to always respond to sentient beings according to their various needs, but to always respond. I just think that's a, a powerful image because sometimes we think, oh, I don't like the way you're asking for help. I don't like the way you're expressing your need, right? But there is a way. There is a skillful way to offer the support that's needed. I think it's a Samantabhadra is, is a very powerful image for us. Let Samantabhadra Bodhisattva come to the rescue. He rides on an elephant with a great sword to cut the delusions. I always think Samantabhadra looks a little bit like Shujin Roshi would look if he were riding on an elephant to support the practice no matter what. Or maybe Samantabhadra looks like you right now sitting on your zafu or your chair. devoting some time to strengthening your practice so that you can be of service to all of life. Of course, we're serving ourselves. Through serving ourselves, we serve everyone. May it be so. May we benefit from the example of others and find our own unique way to use our gifts to serve as Shusen Roshi did. I have a prayer tonight. Here's my prayer for you. Wake up, wake up. This is our life. 
this, this is the time we've been given. Use it well.